0: Hey everyone, Zach here. Just wanted to give you a quick note before the episode starts that the audio is going to be a bit funny in this episode. I forgot to ask my guests to make sure they had headphones plugged in before we started recording. So they picked up my audio as well as their own. And if I spliced it together with my audio, then it would just sound overlapped and echoey and not great. So uh, I'm going to sound like I'm on the phone for most of the call because that's how it was recorded. So it's not going to be quite as great quality as it usually should be, but it'll be better going forward. Thanks. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 14 of Kingdom Hearts and Other Stuff, or Chaos, where the guest brings the topic and I tie it into Kingdom Hearts and maybe convince them to give the series a try. Uh, A couple things. First, this is episode 14. I know last week I, or last episode, I messed up and said it was episode 11 when it was actually episode 12. So this time it should be episode 13. But episode 13, uh, the guest for that had to postpone. And I'm not, instead of making this episode 13, I'm going to postpone episode 13. It'll make sense when it happens, don't worry. But I know a lot of the time, I've just been having Kingdom Hearts uh, fans on the show, so I haven't really had to convince many people to try to play the games. But my guest today, oh, I'm your host, Zach Lyons, and my guest today is my friend Vicky, who has never played the games before. Uh, I don't think she's ever shown any interest in them, but uh, let's talk to Vicki. Hey, how are you doing?
1: Not too bad, Zach. How about you?
0: I am doing well. This is going to be an interesting recording because, as I told you before we started recording, I'm we haven't prepared for this at all. <laughs> I My last guest kind of had to postpone, so I've just made a call out on Facebook, and you're like, yeah, sure, I'll chat for a bit.
1: Heck it. We'll do it live. So I don't
0: have any notes prepared, and I don't have... Absolutely. <laughs> So I don't have anything prepared, and we'll just uh, wing it.
1: Winging it is the best.
0: Winging it is the best. Uh, So just to reiterate, what is your experience with the Kingdom Hearts games? How familiar are you with them?
1: I once watched somebody play some version of Kingdom Hearts at a (laughs) house party in college for about 45 minutes when I was not um, let's say fully aware of what was going on. And I have no, (laughs) and none of it stuck other than watching some people run around as Disney characters doing things in a video game. That's literally
0: it. Okay. So you can't recall like what was happening?
1: It it was dark. It was kind of spooky. I don't know. That was it.
0: May have been Halloween town perhaps.
1: Who knows? It would have been like 2002, 2003.
0: Okay. So that would have been King Hearts 1. Because that was the only game out then. So it's been a little while since you've seen the game played in any (laughs) shape or form. Correct. So what is your topic? What would you like to talk about?
1: So I want you to convince me why a first-person shooter fan like myself, who has not had success with RPGs of any kind, uh, should give Kingdom Hearts a try.
0: Okay. Sounds like a good challenge. So uh, what are... You said first-person shooter games. What are some games specifically that you
1: like? So I really enjoy the Call of Duty series. I am one of those. I'm like the gamer equivalent of the, the basic chick. Um, I really enjoy... <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, that's like... it's. Like, I enjoy the pumpkin spice latte video games. I really like...
0: I'm sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that.
1: Right. I just like to... I like the simplicity of find a gun that you like, shoot the enemy have fun, run around, maybe a couple of different game types, you know, play through the storyline once and then you're good. I like the mindlessness of it where you can kind of just stop thinking about, you know, what's going on and just focus on the sort of, um, the, you know, just the mechanics of the game, the real basics of, you know, point, press the button, get a result. Um, and, you know, try and get the highest score. It's just very simple sort of progression, there's not a ton to focus on. I have tried to enjoy games like Fallout. I watched other people play quite a bit of the Fallout series, and I enjoyed following along with the stories. But then when I've played the games for myself, I get very frustrated very quickly because there's too much to choose from, there's too much to do. I
0: hear you 100%. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and the worlds themselves are so big that it's just, the the open sandbox concept doesn't really do it for me. Um, Fair enough. I have also tried other games that are, you know, more traditional. Like, I've played a little bit of Legend of Zelda here and there uh, about the same time, early college. I helped the person that I was in a relationship with at the time go through uh, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. And it was kind of the same thing where I just had a better memory for the puzzles and, you know, the combinations for the little music or little uh, songs that you had to play. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I enjoyed that part of it. But then I tried to, you know, start the campaign for myself and I got very bored very quickly. So you kind or of because just...
0: like you're you're good with the puzzles, but then like getting from A to B, you're like eh.
1: Exactly. So I like puzzles. Like I love the Portal series. I think the Portal series is the one exception to my first person shooter rule.
0: Sure, it's very go from puzzle to puzzle as opposed to traverse the expansive world to get to the next puzzle.
1: Yes, and that's what it seemed. And again, the one experience that I had was so long ago, and it's not the clearest memory. Um, But also, like, I'm not the biggest Disney person, and I'm not the biggest, cartoon fan. Like, animation just really isn't my jam so much. So, that said, I know a lot of people are, like, evangelistically involved with Kingdom Hearts. So... Sell me on it.
0: Whatever do you
1: mean? (laughs) I mean, you know, if you're someone who loves it so much that you. I am unfamiliar with
0: people being completely obsessed with the series that I love so very much that I made a podcast about it.
1: Exactly. So if you're that person that loves it so much that you're making this podcast, why? And why should someone like me who is not a fan of the genre at all give it a shot?
0: Okay. So. Just to comment on some of your uh, preferred games, I'm really not big into shooters in general. Uh, They're ones that I'll find what I enjoy now and then. Like, a few months ago, I borrowed the recent Doom remake or (laughs) reboot or whatever from a friend and not really knowing what to expect. And I really, really loved it because it's exactly what you were saying about Call of Duty is it's a mindless shooter. Like, you don't think about it. There's no, like, intricate story to follow. There's a story, but it doesn't really matter. You're just going around finding new weapons and killing these demons and enemies. And it's just so much fun to switch off and do that for a bit. Right. And uh, similar with Fallout, like, I really loved Fallout 3, but Fallout 4 was much too big for me. Like, nowadays, when an open world game is touted as being, like, the map is three times as big as the previous game. I'm like, oh, no, pass. That's... <laughs> Like, I I spent probably two dozen hours in Fallout 4 and eventually just gave it up because it was too big. And, like, I was enjoying the story, but there were so many side quests that if I skipped them, I felt like I was missing out. Same. But if I did them all, it was too much. And, like, going from point A to point B in the story, you'd get literally 8, 10, 12 new side quests. Right. I'm like, oh, God. Like, I, I love side quests and RPGs are my jam. I love grinding. But, man, this is just too much.
1: Yeah, the- and
0: like Zelda as well. Like that's the same thing that happened with Breath of the Wild. I was super excited for Breath of the Wild, and I again, like, I really enjoy. I was having so much fun with it, but it's just such a big, intimidating world. Like you have complete freedom to go wherever you want. I
1: kind of wanted a bit more streamlined. Right, not like, gonna lie. <laughs> I, I need that structure if I want to get immersed yeah, yeah, into the sure. story. I want to be able to follow the story, and I don't want to forget what you know what storylines i've already been following because then i'm not as immersed in it and i don't you know catch all the little details and little things that make the story really really cool to be immersed in sure sure so yeah that was my experience uh, probably a good
0: place to kind of sorry go
1: ahead that was my experience with fallout 4 too is that i got maybe probably about the same amount of time sunk into it um you know maybe somewhere just south of 20 hours and just and i had barely felt like i got anywhere in it and i was like okay i'm i'm over this this is this is not enjoyable and time spent for me
0: i agree and i think we both gave it enough of a chance like over 10 hours i think once you hit double digits you can very validly say okay i tried it it's not for me
1: yeah i agree
0: but uh for kingdom hearts the the story is quite straightforward i I mean the story itself is pretty confusing at the end of the day but if you just let's just go with kingdom hearts one just straight up that game ignoring all the other extra prequels sequels side games whatever so kingdom hearts one is pretty straightforward you start on an island with your two friends and darkness swallows the the island up basically and you wake up in another world that you're not familiar with and you have to try and find your friends. You travel from world to world with Donald Duck and Goofy. <laughs> they're trying to find their king, Mickey, and you're trying to find your friends. So you go on this adventure, you're traveling to different Disney worlds, trying to find your friends while not really interfering in the affairs of the other worlds, but also making sure they're safe from the darkness that swallowed your world. Story is always moving, so it's, it's not... The worlds aren't that big. They seemed really impressive in 2002, but compared to how Kingdom Hearts 3 is shaping up now, like those worlds look really big and expansive, which is, again, kind of intimidating because I don't like that with <laughs> the more recent games. But uh, I digress. The Kingdom Hearts 1 worlds are palatable. They're not difficult to navigate, and it's, you, you get an objective, and that's what you're working towards. There are mini games and some uh, grindy uh, sub quests if you will, but they're mostly completely optional. There might be some that you have to play like once or twice to like progress in that world but then if you want to play them again it's all up to you. like there's a Winnie the Pooh world and that's like there's no darkness or enemies there it's purely just mini games and having fun uh, because Winnie the Pooh <laughs> but uh, you don't have to go to that world at all if you don't want. Yeah, so I think I think the story side would appeal to you because it's a relatively simple story to follow, and it's got a few twists near the end. But it's it's difficult to say because if you're not su- a super big Disney fan, it appealed to me because I was really big into Disney and I was really big into Final Fantasy, and it meshes the two together. Have you played many Final Fantasies?
1: I have played zero Final Fantasies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, well that's not uh, that's not a bad thing. It's another thing where some people weren't really happy with how the Final Fantasy characters were represented in the game. Uh, like, maybe they're, they're not following the story from their original games and stuff. Like, all the Disney worlds you go to, you basically follow the story of that movie, but with new things going on. Uh, but the Final Fantasy characters are basically there as, like, extra teammates to help you along, help guide you, like mentors of sorts. But people were, you know, annoyed that their favorite characters didn't make it in, or that, like, the most popular characters said everybody wants it. Of course they're going to go for those characters. So, I mean, a lot of people are happy with it, but a lot of people were also like, eh, they could have done Final Fantasy better. So I think not having experience with Final Fantasy isn't too big a deal, really. Uh, It'll just be more characters that you're getting to know for the first time, just like the main characters.
1: Okay, so I do Um, have a (laughs) couple of questions now that we've started to talk about, you know, uh, what the heck is this game about? So, number one, like, and I know the For answer is probably going to be, um, duh, because it's Mickey Mouse, but why is Mickey the king? Like, why not Donald? Why not Goofy? Why not Minnie be, you know, the, the ruler or whatever? You know, I, why, why is it got to be Fair Mickey? enough. <laughs> like, it just seems kind of obvious. Uh, well, I, I,
0: it is obvious, right? But I think <laughs> it's because when the game was pitched... The game came about, uh, this is pretty well known among the Kingdom Hearts community, but the game came about because there were there was a Squaresoft executive and a Disney executive. They shared a building in Japan for a couple of years back in the early 2000s, late 90s. So they were in the same elevator at the same time and they just kind of started talking and were uh, like, hey, we should make a game killer. Yeah, okay, cool. And then people started chatting and they got people on board to develop it and the rest is history, basically. But... Because it's a Disney game, like, it's equal parts Disney and Squaresoft, or now Square Enix. And Disney is very protective of their golden child, Mickey Mouse. And even though Mickey's the king, he is in, like, literally, he's in one scene of the entire game. And it's in the finale. (laughs) He's referenced throughout the game. Like, there's a letter that he leaves to say, uh, he leaves a letter in his office at the Disney Kingdom saying, hey, I've gone to try and find out the source of this darkness and try and stop it. Because, you know, Mickey being Disney is ultimate light, basically. And so he's off on his own mission to try and stop the darkness and save the save all the worlds from blinking out and being swallowed by the darkness. And that's why his court magician, Donald, and his top number one knight, Goofy, you know, are off to find him and save him and make sure he's okay. So I, Mickey's the king because Mickey's mickey <laughs> disney's number one basically yeah exactly like there's really not much more to it than mickey is mickey and when you think of disney what's the first thing you think of yeah it's, it's mickey mouse <laughs> you know it's right. and and minnie's there too and daisy duck is there and uh, you know minnie's the queen she's queen minnie and she's the one that donald and goofy report to when he's not there and she's like hey i need you guys to go find mickey you know make sure he's all right and she stays to you know watch over the disney kingdom
1: That's actually one really funny thing that I actually do have a strange kind of sidebar interaction with, I guess. I don't know how you would classify the experience, but without going into too much detail, and anybody who knows what I'm talking about will know what I'm talking about, and if not, it's not that interesting. Um, But I, I do direct sales for a certain company that did a crossover recently with Disney, And the sheer amount of paperwork that we all had to sign, like, non-disclosure agreements and, like, Mm. agreements on how we were going to display the items and everything, it was just unbelievably rigid for some fabric with the mouse printed on it. Like, so you say that they're very protective of of the mouse. Believe me, that is no shock to me whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) They are insane.
0: Disney's happy to lend all these properties to the game to make it more immersive and exciting and fun to have this big crossover experience but uh they didn't want mickey mouse to be mistreated or misrepresented and that's why they had him referred to and alluded to but he was like a mysterious figure until like the end when you get to see him help save the day in one scene
1: that but, like really when i say one scene i mean this.
0: like it's not like one scene where he has some big cool action moment like he has one scene that lasts about five to ten seconds <laughs> with like two to three speaking lines
1: that it's a very s-
0: very very short role he plays.
1: It's probably the safest because could you imagine having to, you know, be the writers and the designers, the artists, the people working on the back end who go through all of that to include Mickey in a bigger way and then have to run it past Disney execs and then have them say nope, we don't like it. Like that would be such a loss of exactly. man hours. Exactly. So, yeah, no, that, so like that doesn't they only, Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I just said that doesn't surprise me at all. It's probably the safest way to do it.
0: For sure. I'm pretty sure Disney gave them limitations. Like, you can only put him in one or two scenes. (laughs) And so they thought, where where is he going to make the biggest impact? At the end. You know, where the climax is happening. And so that's where they put it. And they've, like, after the success of the first game, like, he had a much bigger role in the second one. Like, he's there in the first couple hours, and he's there throughout the game, and he's present, and he's, like, almost a supplementary character. Like, you can play as him for brief moments.
1: I can imagine just There's, the wailing and gnashing of teeth that would happen at Disney HQ if there wasn't a positive response to Mickey Mouse in a video game. Oh,
0: sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, like, his his one moment in Kingdom Hearts 1 is very majestic, you know, and kingly, and, and it fit, and it worked really well. And so, like, it's not surprised to me that they were like, okay, yeah, we could you can do a bit more of them next time. And, like, in Kingdom Hearts 2... There's a boss fight that if you lose, like the underlying theme is that Mickey and a couple of people helping him are like watching you and making sure you're okay the whole time. Mm-hmm. Even if they're not with you, if they're with you. And there's a boss where if you die, usually when you die against the boss, you get game over, try again, right. go back to save point. But mm-hmm. in this one, uh, this specific boss fight, if you die, Mickey Mouse has a chance of popping up and like you're just kind of laying there with a glow around you like Mickey can save you. But, like, you take control of Mickey, and I know the original Star Wars trilogy, the episodes 1, 2, 3 are ragged on. but do you recall in episode, I think it's 2, Attack of the Clones, when Yoda has his big fight scene and he's, like, flipping around with his lightsaber? Yes. Mouse fighting in this because he's got his Keyblade <laughs> and you're like just Taking this really fast paced battle And instead of your anime character Sora you've got Mickey Mouse instead And he's just doing these backflips And combo attacks and it's really Really simultaneous equal parts Funny and awesome Like to see Mickey Mouse doing this <laughs>
1: I'm And kind then of like amazed you can allow Revive Sora fighting. and
0: Mickey Mouse Disappears and Sora has no idea that Mickey Was there.
1: I'm kind of amazed that they would allow Mickey Mouse so to fight. Just,
0: There's a Twitter account I follow called King Hearts Out of Context, and they'll just post screenshots or video clips of the game, again, without context, and it's really funny sometimes, and uh, there's one where it just shows a member of this mysterious organization that are, like, antagonists throughout the series, and one of them has Mickey Mouse pinned up against the wall, like, in a chokehold, and you're like, how did Disney allow those it's Because the series is so successful, and he's still the good guy, and he's still okay after that, but, like... Just having this cloaked, mysterious, dark figure choke holding Mickey against the wall. Like, you'd never think this would happen. No. And it's so funny and interesting and crazy to see.
1: That is pretty interesting. I'm genuinely impressed.
0: Like, to go from, you can only use him in one scene because he's very precious to us. He's our little boy. And you cannot tarnish this name. To, like, putting him against the wall in a slam chokehold. Like, that's amazing to me that they were able to do that.
1: So that definitely speaks to the the success then, the the appeal and the yeah. so which leads me into another question that I have. What exactly is the target audience for the game? Like what I'm assuming that since the game does include, you know, Mickey and some of those core characters, that it's probably rated, you know, very family friendly, but family friendly doesn't necessarily indicate who the game is for. So is it something that's meant to be, you know, very, you know, wide family appeal where everyone from your five-year-old to your great-grandmother can play and enjoy it? Or is it really more of a, you know, you have to like video games to be able to enjoy what's going on here?
0: Uh, Well, the, the ESRB rating is E for everyone on almost all of them. I think there's maybe one or two of them that are T for teen, but they're basically all supposed to have widespread appeal. Uh, I would say the, the main target demographic is, like, people our age, around 30-something. But that's because when the games came out, the main characters were 14, 14, and 15. And when I started playing it, I was 14. Yeah. And so it was, like, oh, you know, relatable to me as a, the age that the main characters are. And also because as a teenager in the early 2000s, there were people that grew up with all the ga- all the Disney movies that were in it, like... Uh, Lion King and Little Mermaid, Nightmare for Christmas, and Beauty and the Beast and all that stuff. So there's all these Disney properties that, as we were kids, we were cr- growing up with and learning to love, and then introduce this new teenage character that you uh, want to go on an adventure with, and recipe for success, you know? Throw in some angsty Final Fantasy characters to add some more mature tones, I suppose. But for the most part, it's Disney levels of accessible. Okay. They're, they're especially the first game, because it's mostly... Disney good guys versus Disney bad guys with some anime people thrown in. As the games progress, they get a bit more convoluted in plot, and they get a bit more darker in tone. And, like, there's one of them, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, which is a prequel, takes place ten years before the first game, and that one is really, really depressing almost, because you're following three new characters who you've never seen in the series before, and they all have bad endings. (laughs) Like, one is taken over, by, like, possessed by the bad guy. One is put in an eternal or uh, supposedly eternal sleep. And one of them is left in, like, the darkness to fend for herself and try and save the other two. But, like, the darkness is just weighing on her constantly. So that one's actually really dark. Like, you still go to worlds like Peter Pan and Lilo and Stitch. And, like, you know, you go visit all these fun Disney worlds, but you still, at the end of the day, like, it's not a good ending. And part of Kingdom Hearts 3 is you're trying to beat the big bad who's been present throughout most of the games as well as trying to save all these people lost to the darkness Hmm. and so it gets progressively more adult but i think that's really cool because as someone who played it as a teenager and has grown up with the series it started off lighthearted and fun and like just good versus evil but now it's much more it's it's grown with me and i think that's why it's stuck with me is because each title is a bit more serious than the last and as i grow and mature and like that about my media that I consume, like it's become so much more than just good versus evil.
1: Interesting.
0: And interesting things to keep me interested, <laughs> which for a game that ser- the first two games came out in 2002 and 2006. And the third game in the series is like actually the 10th or 12th game in the series. And it's coming out 15 years later. That's pretty impressive to keep the fans going that long.
1: I think there's the one thing about a Disney property that does make it sort of universally accessible is that there are so many disney characters out there there's so oh, many sure. in, the, in the library that there's bound to be at least one that you identify with even if you're not a huge disney fanatic you probably have at least one or two movies and you're like okay i won't sit and watch all the movies but i this one if it's on or somebody you know gives me the option i'll watch that one every time so i do think yeah, that sure. kind of does broaden the appeal
0: Do you have some of those? What are some of your favorite Disney movies, even though you're not big into Disney? Like, what are some of your favorites? Oh,
1: I love Beauty and the Beast and The Little Mermaid, which I know are super easily accessible and super cliche. But I mean, I think I kind of how you said that, you know, Kingdom Hearts came out around the time that you were the age of the protagonist. Those are the movies that came out when I was in like that target demographic. So those are the ones that kind of speak to me the most. Oh, sure. Which makes
0: perfect sense. Yes. You know, it can't be cliche, but still be totally valid and fine.
1: For sure. The other thing that I I really do like some (laughs) of the Disney movies that came out when I was, you know, around that time that I, you know, that I keep mentioning, you know, early 2000s when I was in college. um, You know, I really like The Emperor's New Groove. And some of those that came out around that time, too, because they were kind of lighthearted, fun, that still had some you know broad appeal you know some more grown-up humor that you know someone for that sure. age could enjoy um but it was nice escapism during a time in life where things are very chaotic you know you're out on your own for the first time and college is a whole thing and look how big the world is suddenly and it's nice to have that yeah, simplicity of of you know disney to go back to so
0: absolutely well i can say that little mermaid didn't- being the beast are both prevalent throughout the series little mermaids in the first game the second game the third like it's in over half of them uh being the beast comes in in kingdom hearts 2 and is in several aside games following uh emperor's new groove has not made its way in i think it's a bit more niche and a bit more it didn't have quite the global appeal or not global appeal the critical appeal like a lot of people love the movies i, I think it's such a fun movie like it's it's not necessarily your stereotypical Disney movie.
1: No, the main character is David I is why Spade. I, <laughs> I can't think of many actors I... out there that are less typical Disney than David Spade. I mean,
0: <laughs> Chris Farley. <laughs> side That's people, a good point. Think. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and like, but it's such a fun movie. I think like it would be really entertaining to see that in Kingdom Hearts. But I think because it's less light versus dark, like it, the themes aren't really as on par there, as it is with Kingdom Hearts?
1: No, he's kind of an anti-hero. Like, because it's all
0: light for the
1: The main character yeah, is kind yeah, of an for sure, hero for sure. I think it would be interesting That's to see him moving in, it. but I don't know how you would go about doing it. So, next question that I have. Let's say that I have decided, okay, you've convinced me, I want to give this a shot. Given the fact that, you know, the original games are on consoles that most people probably don't own, unless you're really into retro gaming... Multi-part question. 1, is there a way to play all of the games currently? And 2, if not, where would you recommend that I start on a, you know, on a modern platform?
0: What uh, modern console or consoles do you have?
1: So, I have uh my primary console is um Xbox. I've got an Xbox One. I do still have my 360. It sounds like a coffee grinder when you put a disc in it, but it still plays. Um, And I do have a Wii that is sitting somewhere, sadly, collecting dust. Oh,
0: uh, unfortunately, you're you're killing me here. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Kingdom Hearts 3 is coming out on Xbox One and PS4. But that aside, all of the compilations that they've released up to this point are on PlayStation consoles only so far. They've teased that they may do things like the Switch and Xbox One in the future, but they're focusing currently on Kingdom Hearts 3 and getting that out the door so any other ports would be after that. Uh, A big point of contention among fans or like people interested in trying the series is that, why are you bringing out Kingdom Hearts 3 for PS4 and Xbox One, but you're only releasing all the compilations for PlayStation? And they haven't really given an answer to that. It's confusing and it doesn't make much sense to me or any other fans, but you know, That's how it is. The original games were on, the original games one and two were on PS2. And then there were a couple side games that came out on Game Boy Advance and DS and 3DS and PSP. So it was always kind of leaning towards Nintendo and Sony with the main console, like the main number titles being on the flagship Sony console of the time. So like the first Kingdom Hearts game that's ever going to be on an Xbox console is Kingdom Hearts 3. If you are interested in trying them out and you're not opposed to getting a new console, probably the best way to go would be the PS3 because they released two different compilations on the PS3. And because it's an old console and PS5 is being talked about, that's a more affordable way to go. Like go to GameStop or something and find a used PS3. You could probably get it pretty cheap. And then you could buy Kingdom Hearts 1.5, which has the first game, Chain of Memories, which was the Game Boy Advance game that got remade for consoles, and 358 Over Two Days, which was a DS game, which they've remade as a cinematic.
1: So how much of the backstory um, would so, that give you? Like, Or is it something where, you know, if I just wanted to hop in with Kingdom Hearts 3 when it comes out for Xbox, would that be something where, I mean, obviously we don't know what's in the game? Because it's not out yet, but do you think that that would be, I mean, given the history of the other games, do you think, do you, you know, can you make an educated guess that it would be okay to just kind of jump in mid-lore and still enjoy what's going on?
0: Based purely on what I know from the dozen games that are out already, I think it would be pretty difficult to jump in straight at three. But that being said, the director of the games, Tetsuya Nomura, has stated in interviews before that... They're trying really hard to make it accessible to newcomers. Like, they want it to be fun for people who have never played the series before, while also rewarding for longtime fans. Uh, And I think, I know in Japan, around E3, they released a handful of videos on YouTube that were, like, chronicling the previous games in, like, five to ten minutes apiece. And they're planning to do those same videos for the U.S. as well, or for, you know, the global version. And they're going to not just have them online, but those videos are going to be included on the Kingdom Hearts 3 game disc. Hmm. So, like, they're they're going to try their best to make it so if you've never played a game, you can get caught up easily uh, without having to go through all the games that are, like, between 20 and 40 hours apiece.
1: (laughs) That is a pretty big time sink.
0: It's. I think they're doing the best they can to make this complicated story accessible for a wide audience because they've they're already trying to make it accessible for newcomers because they're they've got all these new really or recent releases from Disney in it right like they've got worlds from Frozen and Big Hero Six and Tangled and but the, like they they're trying to get people who love recent Disney movies by getting those big hits on there so you're going to these worlds with all these newer like no- more modern Disney princesses rather than the old school ones so. They're they're trying to get the new market with the newer Disney movies, as well as trying to let people who've never played the games before come in.
1: Interesting. So we've talked kind of, you know, broad appeal, things that might, um, you know, bring just about anybody, you know, universally into the games. You know me pretty well. We've known each other for, gosh, probably over 10 years at this point. What do you think? (laughs) Yeah. What do you think, knowing me, that I would enjoy in these games?
0: I think you would enjoy the story more than anything, because uh, you're a big reader, right? You're big into books. Absolutely. A lot of lore to be found. Like, again, the first game is pretty straightforward. You've got this mission, you try and solve it, and then at the end, there's, like, a big bad that's pulling the strings. But at, with every game, you find out more strings that were holding the puppets in the first game. Uh, like, the, the big bad in the first game was actually a puppet himself. You know, kind of cliche, but, like, there's... With the second game, with Kingdom Hearts 2, it opens up so many avenues that are explored in a lot of the side games that came out between 2 and 3. And a lot of people like to write off the side games because they say they're spinoffs and they're not necessary. But like, every single game that's come out in the Kingdom Hearts series is plot critical. Even like, There's one that was originally literally a mobile spinoff that didn't have any connection to the series in Japan only. It didn't make it to the States and they remade it for the DS in like 2010 and gave it like they, it was shoehorned and forced at the time, the story that they put in it. And it was like the least consequential to anything, Hmm. but even that with the trailers for kingdom hearts three, it's obvious that they're making it more important in retrospect.
1: Hmm. How do you feel about that sort of retcon?
0: That one specifically rubs me the wrong way because it was just a mobile game in Japan that like nobody really cared about. And then they were like, no, let's take the idea of this mobile game and give it part of a story to try and bring it in. And I thought that was really shoehorned and forced, and I didn't like it. And I still, it's still probably my least favorite game in the series. But at the same time, the way they've so uh, eloquently and cohesively pulled all the other ones together for 3, at least from the looks of it. like I'm really impressed with how they've done it. Like, it's tough to explain without going down a big rabbit hole and getting really <laughs> lengthy explanations. So, you so I'll, like I'll try and difficult. keep it concise. But I, I think that the way they've tied it all together or that they're trying to tie it all together is really impressive. And I feel like Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to be a huge payoff for fans who have been following the series for 15, 16, however many years the series has been going. Uh, I, I honestly have no I idea think- how it's going to feel to newcomers i think it'll still be a fun game to play but i have no idea how the story will impact you if you've never played the others even with the the catch-up videos and the summaries you know that'll give you some idea of what's going on but i mean it's so different to play the games and get that for yourself after playing as these characters like to the the birth by sleep that i was talking about earlier with the three stories that all end bad Like that, you can be told that in a summary and be like, oh, that sucks. But like playing the story, playing all three of their stories through from start to finish, and then having it not be good endings, like that's crushing. But it's so meaningful and it adds to how much you care about the story as a whole, as well as the characters individually. And it just makes you really want to succeed in the third game. So I I think for you, I know you're big into stories, I know you're big into reading, and I think. The storytelling would be the biggest draw for you. There's not a lot of puzzles. There's not a lot of shoot, shoot, bang, bang. Like, if anything, King Hearts 3 has the most versatile gameplay. And there's, instead of just swinging, hacking, slashing with your keyblade, it's got a lot more gimmicks to it. Like, the Toy Story world, you can go into mech toys and do some shooting. Like, first-person shooting in the mechs. Uh, your Keyblades transform, and there's one of them that, instead of just being a Keyblade, it can transform into like a bazooka mm-hmm. uh, that shoots energy blasts. And so there's a lot more gameplay mechanics being implemented with Kingdom Hearts 3 that I think will be a lot more fun for a wider range of uh, people with different playstyle tastes. So I think in that regard, Kingdom Hearts 3 sounds like a great place for you to kick off, because like, the playstyle, I think, will be much more adaptable for a lot of people. Whereas in the first couple of games, it's really mostly hack and slash with some combo moves.
1: So I have a proposition for you. I, what do you think about, so let's say the game comes out, I play the game, we see how it goes, Mm -hmm. and then a couple weeks after it comes out, we revisit this topic and see, um, you know, maybe you can get that perspective of someone who's never played it before, and yeah, you know, give us a shot for the first time with Kingdom Hearts 3. Let's see what I think.
0: I think that sounds awesome. There's been a lot, like a, a fair, I say a lot, but like it's a lot in the Kingdom Hearts community, but in the greater gaming community, there's been a little bit of uh, kerfuffle about people saying, oh, I'm just going to jump in with the third game. And Kingdom Hearts fans, like rabid Kingdom Hearts fans going, you can't start with the third game. You have to play all the other games. They're all meaningful and important. Just people, let people do what they want to do. If they want to start with <laughs> the third game, let them start with the third game. So I think that would be really cool, actually, to talk to someone who's playing the third game as their first one, having zero experience with the game previously. And not, so, o- not only I that... I think that'd be really cool.
1: Not only do I have zero experience with a game previously, honestly, I'm kind of the type of person that is very turned off by rabid fans of any sort of yeah, sure. any sort of IP. sure. Like, it took me until maybe yeah, three fanboys. years ago to actually get into Harry Potter. Like I was just because people until were when? So, uh, until maybe like three years ago to get into Harry Potter. Hey, same. <laughs> <laughs> just because people were so crazy about it that I'm like, okay, you all need to just tone it down just a little bit because you're kind of annoying the living daylights out of me. And now, like now I know, I know my Hogwarts house and I've watched all of the movies and I'm, you know, working my way through the <laughs> books. And like now I have opinions about Harry Potter and I've had Harry Potter parties and I get it, but There have also been, you know, other IPs that I have that have had similar very rabid followings that I've tried to jump into and been like, "Mm, no, not into it. So there may be a bit of, you know, different perspective in that I'm not necessarily raring to go about jumping into Kingdom Hearts 3. But for the sake of science, for the sake of maybe getting a different perspective, you know, I, I don't like I'm the kind of person I maybe only buy two or three games per year. I don't make a ton of money. I don't have a ton of time for, you know, gaming and relaxation. So for me to put my money down and put my, you know, give my free time to something, I'm very, very selective about what gets my money and my attention. So there'd be a good, healthy dose of skepticism that would be happening for me buying Kingdom Hearts 3 and trying to get into it. So I think it might be interesting for, for me to, you know, maybe give that a shot and then, you know, we can come back later and have that conversation and see if, you know, do I have strong feelings about the story? Do I think it was a waste of my time and money? Do I think that, you know, maybe there is an avenue here for people to get into it, even if they you know weren't part of it before? Yeah,
0: no, that, that sounds really awesome. I'd be totally keen on that.
1: I, um, I will fun. say,
0: because... Uh, the Ken kind of Persuja only buys a couple of games a year. You know, this sounds awesome and I'm all for it. Don't feel obligated to buy it for full price on lunch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if it's not something that you're sure about or whatever, and you just do it for the science purposes, totally down. Feel free to wait for a sale.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we can figure something out. I mean, if not, there's, you know, holidays for and sure. birthdays and whatnot all, you know, hanging out yeah, relatively totally. soon. So we'll see.
0: No, that sounds awesome. That sounds like a great compromise, especially since you don't have any of the consoles that play all of the remakes. Like, exactly. literally, they announced a week or two ago that uh, they're... Because here's, here's the breakdown of the re-releases. They re-released three games on PS4, or on PS3, and then they released three more games in a compilation on PS3. And then they released the final three games in a, com- in a third compilation on PS4. And then soon after, they released... Those three compilations are called 1.5, 2.5, and 2.8. Okay. (laughs) So 1.5 and 2.5 were both individually on PS3, and then 2.8 came to PS4. And then after 2.8, they brought out 1.5 plus 2.5, so six games put together, two compilations put together in one pack on PS4. So all of them were available on PS4. And just a couple weeks ago, they announced that on At the end of this month, like October 30th, I think it is, in the U.S. only, they're releasing Kingdom Hearts The Story So Far for $40 USD uh, for PS4, and it's 1.5, 2.5, and 2.8, so three compilations of three games apiece, so nine games, I say nine games, it's actually six games and three movies, basically, but so nine Kingdom Hearts titles covered in one package for $40. That's phenomenal. Even if you only plan on playing one game, 40 bucks for all of that is awesome.
1: That but is it's
0: only on PS4. I, so it's, it's a,
1: again, it's cry. strange that they're
0: doing it all for Sony, <laughs> uh, Sony consoles when they're bringing the third game to Sony and uh, Microsoft. So it's weird.
1: If they never bring it to Microsoft consoles or release it for PC or anything like that, I I'm sure that it wouldn't take too much effort for me to get my hands on a PS4 for a period of time to you know to give the games a try. I have enough friends that have multiple consoles that I've had it offered eh. before that hey if you know if there's ever a game you really want to play just let me know and you can have a PS4 for a couple of weeks. So if I it's happen to that fall down that's a good way hole, to do it. Yeah, if I happen to fall down the rabbit hole and fall in love with all of this, then there is the opportunity for me to go back and play the other ones. So. Fair enough. We shall see.
0: Well, uh, another thing is, like, based on things that have happened recently, I would be really surprised if all of the Kingdom Hearts games and compilations didn't come to both Xbox and Switch soon. Because, like, in the last month or two, it was revealed that, like, Final Fantasy Seven and Nine and Ten and X-2 and World of Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy uh, Crystal Chronicles, like, all these Final Fantasy games from days of yore are coming to both Xbox One and Switch in 2019. And it's like, finally, Square Enix is bringing all these former PlayStation-exclusive titles to all the other consoles. And like Square Enix has been heavily supporting the Switch with all their new RPG releases lately. So it would be... It just feels like that's the direction they're going. They're going less for exclusivity and more for widespread, which is great.
1: Good. So I, I reckon...
0: I reckon Kingdom Hearts 3 is coming out in January and then by the end of 2019, we'll probably see the compilations on both the other systems.
1: That'll I'd be seem. shocked if they didn't. I can dig it. Yeah, right. I think
0: that's a good place to wrap things up. So uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on and uh, joining me for this last minute episode.
1: It's been fun.
0: Is there anywhere uh, people can find you online if they should so choose?
1: Shockingly no! Well, I'm or not do, that fun! I'm a hermit.
0: <laughs> that's fine. But there, there's some guests that have like their projects that they want to plug. If you don't, or if you don't want people to follow you online, totally cool. <laughs>
1: I, I wish that I had projects that were worth following. I have a lot of ideas in my head, but none of them have actually come to fruition. So maybe by the time we understand. play Kingdom Hearts I, 3, maybe there will be something that I want to plug next time.
0: Fair enough. I, I get that. I had this podcast rolling around in my head for probably a year and a half before I actually started it. So I feel you
1: good deal
0: dude so this has been episode 14 of kingdom hearts and other stuff you can find the show on twitter at ChaosCast. that's chaos with a k and you can find me on twitter as well at zachary p Lyons. that's l y o n s chaos is a part of the nerd pals network which you can find at nerdpals.network and by searching for super nerd pals on itunes soundcloud and stitcher and super nerd pals and left for dread are two other excellent podcasts on the NerdPals network and you should go check them out Thank you again to Vicky for joining me, and thank you for listening to Kingdom Hearts and other stuff. May your heart be your guiding key.